Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Uh, we're going to stay with the question just a little bit longer in terms of what is actually going on in our nation's capital and why the disconnect. Again, I think this is a big part of the struggles that President Biden and the Biden administration are having is there is just this deep disconnect in terms of their messaging and what the American people are actually experiencing. And I think part of that, and this plays to both sides of the political aisle, by the way, uh, it is often really difficult for policymakers in our nation's capital to understand where real, working, living, breathing Americans are on all of these issues. And part of that is just the economics of it all. Uh, Time after time, when you look at the wealthiest counties in America, the vast majority of them just happen to be, oh, by the way, right around Virginia, Maryland, uh, the D.C. suburbs. So so they're all suburbs of Washington, D.C. Now, there's a reason for that. Uh, in fact, I think half, half of all the wealthiest counties in America are suburbs of our nation's capital. And, and think about that for just a second. Uh, most of those places are not producing things. They're not making cars. They're not making computers. It's all power, money, and influence peddling. It's a lot of lobbying going on. Uh, there's a lot of money in that. And a lot of those suburbs surrounding our nation's capital, again, wealthiest counties in all of America. And you wonder why there's such a disconnect for someone who is sitting at the kitchen table, really sharpening the pencil to make sure that they don't run out of money before they run out of month in terms of the bills. And so there's that deep disconnect. And I think it's part of the challenge that the Biden administration has had is they've been unable to talk in terms that resonate with regular, hardworking, voting Americans. And so that disconnect uh, just deepens the further we go down this path. And as people are dealing with inflation, uh, they may have gotten a raise at work, and that feels good. But when they find out that inflation is almost double what their increase was, uh, it's not quite so happy. And so where does the messaging go? And what does the president do? How do they make that connection back to the American people? Because if you can't get there, it doesn't matter what your policy strategy is. It's not going to play out well for you in the end. And again, it doesn't matter if that's coming from the left or the right or anywhere in between. So as we always say, and we like to have this conversation in the newsroom when we sit around as uh, as a team and talk about what we're going to talk about. Often we kind of scratch our heads. And the question we always come back to is who was in the room? Who was in the room when this policy decision was made? Who was in the room when this speech was written? Who was in the room when someone signed off on an official statement coming out? And most of the time we realize that there was nobody in the room that had a differing point of view, or there was no one in the room who had a real perspective from 
a regular citizen or from a specific interest group. And that's part of the challenge that we face in our very bubbled society is if all we hear is our own echo chamber, when we stop being curious about, well, why does so-and-so believe this? Why does this representative think that's the best solution? Why does this area of the country seem so bent on pursuing this particular policy goal? When you're no longer curious about that, that's a scary day for our constitutional republic. When we lose curiosity, and sadly, I think in so many offices and rooms, and whether that is the Oval Office, whether that is a House or Senate uh, member of Congress, whether it's their office or their room, when we're no longer curious about any other perspective than the talking points that we've either been given or picked up off of social media ourselves, uh, that's when we're all in big trouble. And I will remind you that when we're all in big trouble, we're all in big trouble together, folks. And our inability to have conversations about where we disagree and, more importantly, where we do agree prevents us from getting to better solutions. Rarely have I seen a good solution come out of a business office, a C-suite executive office, or political office when there wasn't somebody in the room who had a different point of view or had a different way of looking at it. And sadly, we no longer value the differences that people bring to the table in experience, in lifestyle, in background, in belief, whatever it may be, when we stop valuing the differences, that's when we stop being curious. When we stop being curious, we stop being really smart. Being smart starts with being curious. Asking questions is a good thing. And our country was founded on this idea, this curiosity of could a government of the people and by the people and for the people, could that really work? Could it really last? Could it really be the best hope, not just for this country, but for freedom around the world? Too many rooms with too many people who think exactly the same or are not willing to speak truth to power, not willing to speak truth to their friends, not just shouting talking points at their enemies. We have to get that kind of curious. Otherwise, we allow lawyers, lobbyists, the wealthy and the well-connected to drive the policy day. And we've got to do better as a society. And guess what, folks? That's up to me. That's up to you. We'll be right back. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope and Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.